So this morning, as I transition into my message, we are starting our Summer in the Psalms. Now, we're going to take a look at some of the Psalms. Uh, there's 150 chapters, so obviously in three months, we're not going to be able to cover all 150 chapters of the book of Psalms. But I do want us to take some time this summer and ground ourselves in the book of Psalms. One of the very first pieces of um, advice that I was given uh, as, an, as a young Christian going through things, maybe facing some difficulties, facing some trials or, or, or just some tribulation, was I was told to find your voice in the Psalms. What that means is, is when you're going through a tough season or you're, you're going through a confusing time, make sure that you get yourself into the book of Psalms and read until you find that Psalm that's going to jump out at you and, and hit you right where you need it that's speaking directly to you. And sometimes it has taken me three to four times reading just over and over the entirety of the book of Psalms to be able to finally find my voice. But one of the things that we need, this, this book is so unique, even within the canon of Scripture, this is one of the most unique books that we see. And, and I'm going to kind of give us a little bit of an overview of the book real quickly before we get started into Psalm chapter 1. Uh, this is a unique book because it basically served as a hymn book for Israel's worship of God, the nation of Israel, because they not only read this book and they not only studied the book of Psalms, but they also prayed it and they also sang it as worship to God. And it wasn't only used to facilitate worship, but it was also used to tell God's redemptive story. And that hasn't changed for us either. As we look at this, we not only need to read it, we not only need to study it, but we need to pray throughout this book. We need to sing throughout this book. And we need not only to worship God through this time, but we also need to allow it to speak to us God's redemptive story in our lives and in our world. Now, another thing that makes the book of Psalms unique is that although it's divided into five books, there's two major themes. And we'll get to those major themes here in just a moment. There's two paths that it throws out there with many underlying themes that come along to undergird that. Also, the authorship of Psalms is, is fairly unique too because there's not just one or two authors. Uh, over the course of hundreds of years of human history, we see that there's at least eight authors in this book of Psalms, with David, King David, being the primary one who wrote about 73 of the Psalms himself. And now, some of the themes that we're going to be covering over these next few months is themes such as joy, such as lament, such as thanksgiving, confidence, remembrance, and wisdom. And we're going to see this in the two main ways that Psalms communicates to us. It's either through poetry or through prayer. And that's how we see the Psalms written throughout this whole book. It's either, a, it's either a chapter of poetry or it's a prayer unto God. And what the Psalms do is it really teaches us how to think and how to feel rightly. And I don't know about you, but in this time, in this season that we're living in, I don't know if there is a more applicable and more practical message that we need to hear from God's Word than how to think rightly and how to feel rightly. With this crazy roller coaster of emotions, and I'm going to ask you at home and I'm going to ask the people here who, for some reason, they have scattered out. You all were right here 
last week and I could make eye contact. Now I've got to do this. But have you all found yourselves with your thought life just going all over the place, just going crazy during? How about your emotions? Is your emotions just like moment to moment a roller coaster? And man, what a wonderful thing that we have here in God's Word as a book that addresses this and shows us that number one, we're not alone in this time in history of things being crazy and chaotic, but we're not alone in the fact that there have been so many people throughout thousands of years of human history that have been on this similar roller coaster. So John Calvin said that he wanted to call the Psalms the anatomy of the soul because there's not an emotion in the entire human experience that isn't expressed in the book of Psalms. Eugene Peterson says it this way, people look into mirrors to see how they look, but they look into the Psalms to see who they are. A mirror is an excellent way to learn about our appearance, and the Psalms are the biblical way that we discover ourselves. A mirror shows us the shape of our nose and the curve of our chin, things that otherwise we would only know through the reports of others. The Psalms show us the shape of our souls and the curve of our sins, realities that are deep within us, hidden and obscured, for which we need focus and we need to be aware of. Trevor Joy writes this description. The Psalms teach us to pray by bringing every thought and every emotion in the human experience into the context of God's story. Through the Psalms, our hearts, whether broken or bursting, become aligned with God's heart. The Psalms help lead our thinking and our feelings Godward. That wherever we are in life, whatever befalls us, whether pleasure or pain, the words which come from God become the steps by which we find God. So with that, let's look to the book of Psalms, chapter 1. That's kind of a short chapter, so we're going to read all six verses this morning. Verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." Let's pray. God, thank you for another opportunity to be able to open up your word, to be able to take what we're experiencing, take what we're thinking, take what we're feeling, and use your word to judge it as a litmus test against, to measure it as, as this gives us a standard in which we need to be thinking in the way that we need to be feeling. So God, I pray that right now every, every ear that is Hearing the sound of my voice this morning, I ask that you open their ears, open their hearts, open their spirits to receive what you would say to them this morning. God, I pray for me who's giving voice to your word this morning that you would speak through me. Allow your Holy Spirit to work through me and communicate through me. God, don't let this be my words, but let this be your words. 
Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Psalm 1, Psalm 1 is really this first song that we need to listen intently to. It's kind of like, have you ever been to a, an actual in-person worship service? Has anybody ever actually been to one of those? Anybody? I mean, it feels like forever, right? But there are times when we start our in-person worship services when we ask that everyone just remain either seated or standing and silent, and we're not asking them to sing, we're not asking them to give voice to anything, but we just begin to sing a song uh, and just to have them kind of, have you kind of absorb it just to kind of soak it in, just to kind of set a tone and and establish a message. And I believe that what we see in Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, which we're going to cover next week, is kind of this moment in the book of Psalms. Because we're seeing, this has been described, these two chapters have been described as the, the gateway into the book of Psalms. Now, as with most all other wisdom literature that we find in the Bible, the Psalms are going to draw our attention to two people or two paths. I've I've seen it, heard it, read it both ways. Two people or two paths. And these concepts, these two paths, bookend both the beginning and the end of the book of Psalms. And basically, those two paths are the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. Now, I find it interesting that the Bible doesn't give us any type of middle ground. He does, the Bible nowhere, not only in the book of Psalms, but nowhere in the middle ground is their middle ground articulated in God's words. As a matter of fact, Jesus addresses gray area type thinking in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, where he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So simply put this morning, church, there is no third option. There's no middle ground because we like to, uh, whenever there's a third option or whenever there's this middle ground, we feel like we need to be able to craft our own terms and we need to be able to set our own standards and, and live by our own way of thinking. And the Bible just doesn't allow for that. It's either the way of the righteous that lives according to the word of God and his relationship with him or the way of the wicked. So as we look at Psalm 1, I love how it starts out, because it starts out with a word that I'm not necessarily exactly for sure how to pronounce. Is it blessed? Is it blessed? Is it both? Is it either or? Is it it a vernacular thing? But anyhow, I'm going to bounce back and forth throughout this, probably this entire summer, with blessed and blessed. So just giving you the warning up front. But it starts with this word, blessed. And what we're going to do throughout this entire series is we're going to take one word from each of the psalms that we look at, uh, and we're going to focus in on that word. Like this word for today's message out of Psalm, War, psalm 1 is planted. Maybe some of the translations you're reading in says rooted. But we're going to look at the word planted. But before we get to the word planted, there's some key words that lead us into that word. And the first is blessed. Now this is our... Um, on the surface, if we look at what the word blessed means, it means to be happy. Blessed means happiness. But if we'll dig a little bit deeper under the, the surface layer, this actually means bliss. This word bless or blessed actually means bliss, which is happiness in its most perfect and most full form. 
And this, I don't find it any coincidence that Jesus started the greatest sermon of all time in Matthew chapter 5 by using this exact same words when, when you read Matthew 5, 3 through 11. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those that are meek, that are hunger and thirst after righteousness, that are merciful and are pure in heart, that are peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So he's talking about this blessed state of being not only happy, but being full in him. And I think that we see a couple words that follow this in the next few verses that gives us an idea of how we arrive at that fullness. Because, I mean, honestly, who doesn't want to be happier than you are right now? I know I do. So let's look at what the Psalms teach us about that. The second, is, the second word I want to look at is in verse 2. It says, but his delight. So let's take a look at this word delight really quickly. Have you, have you guys ever experienced those, those times, those experiences, those things that happen to you that, man, they are just incredible in the moment and they're fulfilling and you love it, but at the end of the day, whenever that experience is done, you're like, man, that was awesome, but I don't ever have to do that again. You ever have those experiences? I, I know I have, mine is the beach. Okay, I can say this safely because my wife is not here this morning. Because to her, the beach is just something that she wants to continue to go back to. Because this word delight here is not just describing pleasure, but it's describing a pleasure that has a weight to it or a gravity to it. And I can go to the beach. I love the beach. Okay, it's great. But it, And I've got a little bit of a confession to make. If I go to the beach, I'm the dude in the awkward dad hat. That I've got, I'm sitting underneath the umbrella, I've got a book, I've got a big glass of sweet tea, and the only time you see this dad move on the beach is when I have to adjust my chair to keep from getting scorched by the sun, okay? That's my idea of the beach, okay? I, I love it, it's great that I've been there, I really have no this pull or this draw to bring me back. Now my wife, man, she could go over and over and over and over again, there's something that just draws her back there. So, and just before I move on, just a side note, there are sharks in the ocean, people, okay? Sharks in the, if you don't believe me, Discovery Channel's getting ready to air for the greatest, greatest summer in the world, the greatest time in the summer, Shark Week. Okay? So if you don't believe me, Shark Week's coming up. But I just want us to understand that for me, the beach is a great experience, at some point, I think it's, it was a bucket lot list item for me, but it's not something that I had to say, okay, I've got to go back there. I've got to experience that again. But now I'll take you back to November of 1997 with my first date with my wife. We went out. We went to the movies. I know what you did last summer. For those of you who are old enough to know that movie, that was our first date movie. Then I took her to Wendy's. <laughs> Don't let her lie to you guys. She has been spoiled from day number one. All right, she's been spoiled. But I just, I remember that her, after that date, the effect that she had on me just ran so deep. And I wanted to be around her. I wanted to be near her. I wanted to be with her. It was, a, it was an experience that I wanted to repeat. And here I am 22 years later, still chasing her around. She can't get rid of me. But it was this experience. It was a delight that led to more than just, oh, that was nice. But it was an experience that led me to wanting more. And that's where we find the psalmist at right here, is that it's 
It's this desire, this draw, this experience with God that we need more of it. And what does verse 2 say that this source of delight is? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That word law could also be translated instruction. You see, there is such a deep level of experience and draw that this word can bring us into that it's not just a oh hey great this is a bible this is wonderful I, I, i've got it now this is great this is the man and the woman who's focused after god and those who are blessed are in this word and we're drawn into it this is an experience that we want to return back to over and over and over again because it carries a weight with it you see god's ways and his instructions and his law are good for us and they lead us to this happiness, this blessedness, this flourishing. But our ways don't do that. Our ways lead us to death. And as the writer of Proverbs in chapter 14, verse 11 says, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So we see this delight. And in the second half of verse 2, there's another word that I want us to talk about. And that's the word meditate. It says that in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, as I was studying for this message, I listened to uh, a few other ministers' uh, takes on this passage. I read some of their sermons. I read some commentaries. I read all of this. And I ran across one, one gentleman mentioned a Time Magazine article that was written and published in 2015. And I want to give you the title. All right, are you all ready for this title? You now have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. That was the title. You now have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. The average human attention span in the smartphone era, basically, has diminished from 12 seconds to 8 seconds. Let's just, let's just establish that 12 seconds wasn't the greatest place to start, but we're now down to eight seconds. I want to give you an example of eight seconds. All right, now, now I'm not going to go into any type of hypnotism or anything here, but I want you to stare at my hand, and we're going to see what eight seconds is like. Welcome to your attention span. Right there. So when we look at this word meditate, I think that's something that we struggle with. But we need to make sure that we, need, that, that we understand what this word meditate really means. Unlike just staring blankly into a hand, that's not what it means to meditate on his word, just to stare at it. But it means that we, we peer into it, that we look into it, that we study it, that we ponder it, that we think upon it, that we... We meditate on this thing. And it's not only just in our thought life, but this word also gives the inflection that it's not only what we think about, but it's what we give voice to as well. So part of what meditating on his word, in his word, in his law, and in his instruction day and night is not only us thinking about it and examining it, but it's also us giving voice to it. And it's at this point that the psalm here takes a little bit of a turn. And it really begins to paint a beautiful picture for us as someone who would walk on a path. Uh, it describes it this way. It says that they shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Verse 3. 
that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf are also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall not shall prosper. So as we look at this, I remember I grew up not too far. My house was really, really close to Tiger Creek. And if any of you grew up next to a river or next to a creek that was of decent size, you've probably seen this. But I remember growing up that I don't know if I ever witnessed a, the, the creek get to flood stage, you know, like the waters get crazy high. But I do remember watching them get high. And I remember watching as this water, this current rip through this creek. The one thing that always amazed me was how you would see everything floating by. You would see stuff washed away. But the one thing that remained was the trees that were on the bank of the creek. And no matter what else was moving through there, these trees seemed to remain. And then once the water started going down, you know, some of the bank would be washed off, and what you would see is it would expose a greater amount of the root system that the trees had. And you could just see how these fingerlings of these roots just continued to drill down, so to speak, into the soil around it. And then I also remember times when it would be dry during the summers. It would be hot, it would be dry, we wouldn't have a whole lot of rainfall, and the water level would recede. And I remember seeing things like our garden, things like our crops, things that, you know, that people would grow to sustain a life. And I would see these begin to dry off, die off because of these drought-type conditions and the water being so low. But one thing I do remember observing is looking at these same trees, and these same trees still had life. They still bloomed. They still had buds. They still had leaves on them. And in both situations, both chaos of a flood and both the times of a chaos of a drought, these trees that were planted by the water were able to survive and able to thrive and live. Why? Because their source wasn't on the surface level. It's because they were rooted and planted deep into the soil to receive their nourishment. And I think that um, we can see this in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be a tree, he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So guys, I don't know what you feel like this year. I saw a meme yesterday that, uh, I appreciate a good meme, by the way, uh, but I saw one yesterday that said, has anyone ever considered giving 2020 a Snickers bar? Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe 2020 needs a Snickers. But whether you feel like this year and everything that's come along with it so far, and maybe, maybe your life was in chaos before this because there, there was chaos. And there were people in bad situations before all of this started happening. But whether you feel like this is a chaotic flood in your life right now that's just washing things by you quicker than what you can even register them, or whether you feel like this is a season of drought for you where there's not a lot of nourishment, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, this, these external blessings coming your way, regardless of that, whatever situation you find yourself in, the answer is found right here in Psalm 1 that we need to be planted by the rivers of water. And how are we planted by that? We recognize that our blessedness, our happiness, this blissfulness doesn't come from what's going on around us. It comes from God. 
We also delight in Him. It's not just something that we want to experience once and then hold on for heaven until it gets here. It's something that we keep going back into His Word and having an experience that draws us, that weight that pulls us back, that force that brings us back into His Word. And then we meditate on His law. We meditate on His instruction day and night. And we not only keep it in the forefront of our thoughts, but that is in the forefront of what we say. Guys, there's never been a more important time in my, in my estimation, in my opinion, at least in my life, for our voices to carry the word of the Lord, the love of God, the instruction of God, that that is what we need to be meditating on during this time. That is the voice that needs to rise up out of the wilderness. That is the voice that the church needs to have, is the voice of God and his love and his mercy, his goodness and grace, and the gospel that comes to restore sinners to a perfect Savior. So as I wrap up this morning, I want to give us three things, three practical things, like how can I be planted? How can I do this? Well, first, I believe that we need to be planted in God's Word. Spend time in this Word. Don't just view this as something that I've got a to-do list and one of the first things on my to-do list each morning is to read a chapter and then I've got a to-do list that says that I do that at night. Don't view this as a check-off item box on your to-do list. Be planted in God's Word. Secondly, I think that we not only need to be planted in God's Word, but we also need to be planted with God's people. We need to be planted in community. One of the scariest things for us as humans is to have people really, truly know us. To open ourselves up, to be seen warts and all, all of our fallibilities, all of our faults, all of our failures. We like to keep those hidden and suppressed back and we like to just put on this, uh, this righteous face or this I've got it all together type of persona But to be truly planted and rooted in God, we not only need to be planted and rooted in his word, but we need to be planted and rooted in a community of believers knowing each other deeply and ministering to each other. And then lastly, we need to be planted in God's word, we need to be planted with God's people, and we need to be planted in God's purposes. We need to make sure that no matter what's going on around us, no matter how discouraged we become, no matter how defeated, no matter how much doubt, no matter how much chaos and craziness that we think is happening all around us, whether it's directly affecting our lives or not, one of the things that we have to make sure that we do is we do not lose sight of the mission and the purpose that God has planted us right here in this place for and that is to share the good news of the gospel with Jesus Christ with everyone that we possibly can period and we need to make sure that we stay planted in that purpose in our lives now I'm going to ask the praise team if they would to come back up at this time I'm going to give you this saying it's one that I love It says, our salvation doesn't just deliver us from sins. It also sets us free from a meaningless life. And that's good news. That is the gospel.
that through spiritual multiplication, your limited years on earth here can have an exponential and enduring influence on eternity. Guys, we know that this holiness, this standard, this righteousness, this being planted, it doesn't happen overnight. But be planted in his word. Be planted with his people and be planted with his purposes. This morning, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, please, please reach out to us. FCCGrayson.com. There's a, there's a tab on there for prayer requests. Please get in touch with us. Comment on this video. Do whatever you need to do. But reach out to us. Get in touch with us. If there's things going on in your life that you would like us to pray for, the, these external things, that, that, that the craziness and the chaos that we live in, you can utilize that same, same tab on our website. So at this point, I'm going to ask you to make a decision this morning. Make a decision either for Christ or make a decision that you're going to be more firmly planted and rooted in him, in delight in him, to meditate on him, and to, and to be blessed, be happy, be blissful to the fullness in your relationship with Jesus Christ.